0: This is Nobody Likes Casey McLean, with your host, the one and only person who thinks this podcast should exist, Casey McLean. Hey everybody, this is Casey McLean and this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Uh, Today's guest is Brett Ernst, who's a huge get. I'm so excited that he was willing to do the podcast. Uh, I have to imagine it's strictly because we're in quarantine and he can't be on the road every weekend. Uh, I'm a huge Brett Ernst fan. He's the first comic that I worked with at Tacoma Comedy Club. Uh, He's such... He's so funny. He absolutely crushes. And he's also like a very... Nice guy and cares a lot about comedy, and talks about comedy as an art form, unironically, and more eloquently than basically anybody I've ever met or talked to. Uh, Bret Ernst does a comedy special. He was one of the first people to put their special out uh, for free. Originally, I think it was a like a private YouTube link, and now. It's available to the public. Principal's Office is the name of, um, is the name of his comedy special. It's it's very funny. He's also been on This Is Not Happening. He's got to me one of the funniest This Is Not Happenings. I can't remember if it's during the uh, the Ari Shafir or the Roy Wood uh, regime of This Is Not Happening, but very 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 funny. Uh, and yeah, he he's, he, I think of things that Brett Ernst said to me that weekend that was so educational to me for a lot of reasons, but I think of things that he said to me all the time. Still, he didn't remember me when we, when we uh, did this podcast, by the way, or when we started it. Um, and I think by the end he remembered the weekend and maybe a little bit of me, but That's not why I wanted to have him on necessarily was to, I've I've had a lot of people on this podcast that I've worked with that remember the weekends very well. Uh, notably Megan Gailey and I both have the same memory of getting food poisoning from the sushi that she bought for me and the MC when I worked with her in Spokane. Uh, does not have that kind of memory though. We did, we did spend some time together outside of the club and that's, that's on this. Uh, I did partially at Brett's request i <laughs> I edited out the first forty five minutes of the conversation. I say partially at his request because I made a a little bit of an error I think as an interviewer is I just went when Brett and I worked together uh it was one it was the weekend of not even a full week after. Donald Trump got elected, and there was a very charged time in this country, and the country has become even more charged in recent months, and so we started talking about politics, and that's not really what the intention of the interview was. So when you listen to this, I don't think there's a lot of, like, references back to an earlier part of the interview, but there might be a couple That stuff will all go on the Patreon, but it's like, if you're here to listen to a comedian talk about comedy, then this will be great for you. If you want to hear the prior 45 minutes where Brett is a very smart guy and a very informed guy, uh, you want to hear him and I talk about other stuff in hopefully a funny way, but a little more serious stuff. Check out the Patreon. I'm going to uh, change the Patreon tiers, by the way. I'm going to make it so that you can be a patron of the podcast for $1 a month. You'll get the ad-free version of this podcast. And then uh, there will be tiers above that where you get full-length interviews and video and whatnot. Uh, I don't know how to make... You tell me what you want out of a Patreon. Tweet at me or Instagram me at the Casey McLean. What do you... What am I doing wrong? What do what do other people do, Patreon or Patreons that you subscribe to? What do they do? What could I do? Um. All right. So I hope you enjoy this. I think Brett Ernst is one of the best comedians working. You can follow him uh, all over the place at Brett Ernst. But for now, I hope you just enjoy this conversation that I had with him. Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So, you and I worked together, and it was uh, you crushed. By the way, uh, you you did very well. Uh, yeah, well, I would hope
1: so. I've been doing it
0: twenty something <laughs> years. It was I st- so I still drink alcohol, but I stopped. I made this rule a couple of years after that, where I stopped drinking alcohol until I was done being like performing for that night because I would have like I'd go back and listen to it and I'd be like oh there's a crowd interaction that if I was a little sharper maybe I would have fucking had a better line or whatever but I wasn't doing that I was drinking uh during the shows and I remember you went uh probably 80 minutes on one of the shows and I'm like a nervous first time MC at this club I had to piss so bad waiting on the side of the stage (laughs) because I'm drinking beer. Right. And I'm like, I have to piss so fucking bad, but I wasn't sure when you were going to end. And also I think your style of comedy, it wasn't, you didn't close on the same thing every night.
1: No, you know, I'm very long winded. It's like I tell stories. So, you know, uh, an hour and 20 minutes is probably three jokes of mine.
0: <laughs> yeah. So and then like they would end on different parts or there would be parts that maybe one night you would tell one night you didn't tell, depending on what the crowd got you into, whatever. Uh, I My my memories of that are you're, by the way, still my wife's favorite comedian that I've ever worked with. And I've oh, worked, really? Yeah. And I've worked with people. Uh, I, I really enjoyed working with you. I thought you were uh, very funny. It was right before you put out your special, also. Uh, yeah,
1: that that was part of the reason why it was so long. I was still playing around with it, you know.
0: Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, the, I do remember the having to piss. That's my bladder has like an imprinted memory on it. I think from that weekend.
1: See, I, I don't drink. I, if I drink, it'll probably. If I have a drink, it's usually more towards the end of the last set. I don't like to drink before I go up. Yeah. At all.
0: Yeah, I think you know? it's I think uh it's also like the more you treat it like a job, it's better, right? Because you I can't drink at my like a my day job. I can't just start drinking beer in the middle of the day. Uh okay, so we had a good weekend, I thought, and then we at the we we did get drunk after the last on Saturday night, late show, get drunk at the club because they let you they let you hang out till last call. Uh, you did a thing that I've, I've told other people about, you grab me by the head and you go, I want you to remember one thing. You're the fucking artist. You get to decide what's funny. And I'm not always perfect at executing that, but I think about that all the time. If I'm ever like, is this joke potentially offensive again? I think you said it earlier. I always know my intention.
1: Listen, as long as your intention is good Mm
0: -hmm. and and
1: as long as you're, you know, then 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 say it. I mean, unless you're trying to do a reversal, because, look, there's a lot of beauty, the beauty. and, And again, my style of comedy is way different than, say, like, I don't really do anything shocking. Sure. I just talk more about me and personal experiences and stuff. But. But that's the beauty of people that write shocking comic, uh, comic jokes because once you get that joke, it desensitizes it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, a ra- even though a joke may be racial, it doesn't mean it's racist.
0: 100% agreed. That's actually – I was having a conversation with my buddy about that where it's like there's this – I so actually the last episode of this podcast is this woman, uh, Vanessa Dawn, who's a Seattle comic. And we were talking about – she said that she doesn't like being called a POC because to her it implicates – that other people of color can't be racist and I, that's we were talking about this uh uh a little while ago but if a korean shop owner if a black kid walks in and they're following him around you could argue that that's racist and then if you start to go like it's racist because he has the power you're starting to create a hierarchy of race so if there's no listen
1: dude this is the other thing there is no hierarchy
0: right i agree you with you you're judging
1: somebody by what they look like and if you hate somebody by what they look like without knowing what they are insert race insert color insert gender then you're a fucking racist
0: yeah so the idea
1: that you have to be in power doesn't mean like so so then let's take a group like indian people then yeah. right so they can't be racist we're basically we're only talking about white people we're not mm-hmm. talking about people in power right yeah. So if I'm if I'm in a if I'm in a corporation of all black people and they, they don't they look down on me because of the way goodfellas like Italians carry themselves, that's still a racist thing to do. Now, am I fucking being am I being oppressed by it now? I wouldn't even care anyways.
0: Sure. Yeah. So so the thing that I was talking to my buddy about is that. All that shit, all that, like, power imbalance bullshit that people talk about, when somebody ascends to the level of being your friend, that shit doesn't matter anymore. Especially when they're but, your... Co- unless you're unless you're a very bad friend and hold power over your friend in some way. Like, my, fr- my best friends that are black, I don't, like, I don't have any power over their life or anything like that. So if I make a joke... I don't want someone who's not part of our friendship to tell me I can't make the joke. But who
1: the fuck are you hanging out with?
0: Dude, Seattle has a lot of people who are uh want to be involved and police people's thoughts.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. That's that's their that's the fascist group. I mean, yes. I see what's going on there now. That let that eats itself alive, man. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's human nature to be free and not to be told what to do. It's why people rebelled against the religious uh, groups of people that were trying to oppress as well. They're the new religious, right? They just don't think they are.
0: Yeah. Right? Let's we'll see if this part gets uh, stays in. But the new Puritans, that's what I call them. I don't know if that'll be yeah, part of. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a uh, it's this purity test bullshit that none of us can pass, by the way, like none of us can pass it.
1: I, I you know what? I, I think I could. And I've thought some really fucked up thoughts
0: I think that you could pass on moral purity because your intentions are always good, but their bullshit purity where they get to decide what the level is every day they get to move it back a peg is.
1: No, what bothers me is you'll have a 20 something like coffee shop brother that does poetry or whatever sitting there talking to somebody that's a real street dude and then telling him about, you know, whose parents are doctors or some shit. It's like, dude, you you, stop. Just stop. And why the fuck do we keep talking about this? Here's why, dude. And and I'm telling you why comedy in these areas, there are people that are more into the the uh, the the culture of comedy than actually being comedians. Yeah. Right. Of of the art form. So, first of all, you're not going to tell me what to say or do. It's just not going to happen. You know what I mean? And I'm not the type of guy that would sit like when I I performed in the Middle East, um, I, I was flown out for the Dubai Festival, and I uh, I was told not to make fun of Islam, to do not don't, don't do any pro Judaism you know jokes, and don't talk about the king. I don't I wouldn't do that anyways.
0: Yeah,
1: you know what I mean. And if I'm in your home now, there now there's an error of respect, you know. But when you're coming to my show mm-hmm. and it's my name on the marquee and it's my money that rented out the theater and these are my fans that are buying my tickets, sh- sh- you don't belong here. And any of these people that are are looking at um, that are policing comic comics, and other, they're not comedians. They don't belong in any type of an artistic endeavor. OK, art is free thought. Everybody has fucked up thoughts. Everybody has racist thoughts, and they have also had those same thoughts of saving the world, of curing cancer and robbing a bank. You know, it's human. Mm-hmm. We're human fucking beings, and humans are flawed. Those people are very, very evil people because they are trying to mask their their racism and their evilness and their intentions. They're, they're just not open or honest about it. It's what Mal- it's, you know what? It's what Malcolm X said about the white liberal, and I, I agree with that
0: 100%. What did he say?
1: They're like a fox. They're sly. They, they, they hide. They come in. They're, they're the ones causing all this shit, man.
0: Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, dude. I
1: could pull up if I showed you pictures of how I grew up and my not even diversity. It wasn't diversity. There was maybe two white kids.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Well, yeah, that's the funny thing too. Is we that- never
1: ever talked about this at this degree ever. We don't sit around because we're real friends. These are fake relationships that everybody's having. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Does that make sense? These aren't your 100%. real friends.
0: That's what I was saying about uh, about how if you make all of your minority friends through improv comedy, those aren't your real friends. Those are your fucking coworkers, right? And there's a different relationship between friends that you make out of, like, just genuine bond and the people who you hang out with because you have the exact same interests and could benefit from each other.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean... Again, man but as you get older you don't give a fuck about friends anyways
0: <laughs> you know I mean? well, speaking of, speaking uh, of that you you moved to Ohio uh like a couple of years ago and I think you're the first guy I heard about doing it now a lot of people are moving out of l a and New york obviously that's you like- know why
1: it just it, it just it, it's so funny because you saw a little bit i mean I was always at the comedy store that's a that's a fucking artist colony mm-hmm. that's a free thought that's why all those comics are that you're not gonna get some Fucking angry chick with glasses uh, with a notebook staring at you at in the OR in the main room. Right. You know what I mean? You got to take a back seat because right after me, you're going to have somebody that is going to agree with that person's point of view. But they're going to have somebody like another comic after them that is going to shit on that person's point of view. They gonna have somebody on the next one. And guess what? When it's all over, we're all in the back laughing and drinking and enjoying ourselves. Yeah. Because a real artist – Dude, my closer for my uh, half hour, I got – me and Doug Stanhope were working a bar. And Dougie did his his bit, and then I played my uh, – he did a bit where, like, America was um, – it was – I did this bit, America, like, getting into a nightclub. Mm-hmm. I closed with it, and – uh Doug had did his bit about how he was doing this thing where America's like that girl on, Ma- on Maury Povich or like, you don't know me, right? <laughs> Acting all ghetto, and, and, uh, you know? And then I went up and I said, I think it's the opposite that America is like that hot chick that walks in the bar that everybody hates, you know? So afterwards we started talking and he's like, dude, you should fucking start talking about the countries. Right. Mm. And then there was another kid named Dan Smith that was like, you should act them out. And then, that, then we worked on that bit, like the ideas flowed. It wasn't like, you know what? Do you understand the imperialism of the 1950s? And, da, 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 da? <sighs> and Oh, right. yeah, well, did you know that America is the first one to ever do? You know, it was a joke. And we talked about the construction of the joke and we understood the idea. Like, I believe in Jesus, man. I'm a Catholic. One of my favorite bits is Joe Rogan's bit on the Bible. It's one of the funniest fucking things. About You could tell a 12-year-old retarded kid these stories and he's going to have questions.
0: Yeah. If yeah. you
1: if, if you don't understand the humor and that how brilliant that bit is, and, and you're now letting your 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 feelings get involved in a joke, you're not an artist.
0: Well, you also just don't as an audience member. You have picked the wrong type of art for yourself to attempt Absolutely. to enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> now, think- by the way,
1: I, by the way, I, I'm not talking about the the if, if you how do I say it? The artist creates art to move people, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it just does it by default. You're either going to be not be moved or be fucking floored. <clears throat> if you're if you claim to be an artist and you're looking at other art, but now you're acting as a critic or a fan, then you're not an artist. Now, you're allowed to be moved and you're allowed to be pissed off at it. Just don't mm-hmm. call yourself an artist. Call yourself a critic.
0: Yeah, I think that's the, the it's funny. I said this on a on a different podcast I did uh, like I got interviewed on, but we've reached this point where it was conservatives who were mad about the content of hip hop music in the nineties. And now it would right. be the liberals who are mad about the content. I know it was First Tipper call. Gore that went after him.
1: Al Gore. And also I believe Maxine Waters. Oh, really? And, and I'm a, I think it was Maxine Waters. It's one more. Was it Donna? Braz- no, there's one more that was that, but they went after don't, don't start with hip hop, go all the way back to rock and roll.
0: Sure. Sure.
1: You know what I mean, and then they went after heavy metal.
0: Right? I yeah, it's that's the new Puritans thing to me though. Is like
1: that's sh- such a good call, by the way, the Puritans thing. That's really that's really a good call, man.
0: Thank you, thank you. I don't know if it'll ever. I, I thought about that, that. That'd be like a fun album title, but I'm not political enough to to ever fucking. Uh... Yeah, you know what?
1: I could talk about this shit all day. Like even sports. Like if I could go on for hours about sports, um, but I don't do any of this shit in my act.
0: Yeah, that's that's the same. Well, I actually, I was going to say a thing that Rogan said, because I'm like, uh, I'm a white guy, so I've f- for sure listened to Joe Rogan at a different at points in my life, but I'm not like a devout fan of Joe Rogan's. But he said this thing that's so important to me, which is as a comic, which is uh, someone came up to him after the show and they're like, do you really believe all that shit you said on stage? And he's like, of course not. But that the shit I believe is not as funny. Yeah. So, so like, I'm going to do the shit that's funny on stage. And if See, it means...
1: I gotta- I want to point something out to you, Casey. And, and I could tell, man, you always you keep bringing up race like you're just I'm a white guy that listens to Joe Rogan you, because you're surrounded by these fucking maniacs. Yeah, That's
0: probably fair. That's fair.
1: This is why it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. This is why these types of people are not healthy. What the fuck does your race have to do with you liking what? Are the, by the way, you and about eight eighty million 80 million people of all races <laughs> like Joe Rogan.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I was, uh, I was actually saying it as a joke, and I watched your face change when I said, no, I
1: like, I, I'm not mad." I got the joke. Yeah, I'm not yeah. talking about the joke. It's the idea that you're like, you keep bringing that up because yeah. this is always something that is probably coming up in comic circles by you. Yeah, this I also is not good. I, this is not good for free thought. You, your race, and your your gender, and your preference, and your religion has nothing to do with what you like.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay you I'm saying now you could break that down or, or you don't have to justify any of it. You like what the fuck you like. Yeah. Like I'm as an Italian American, if you're going to sit there and put ketchup and fucking uh, uh, butter on your pasta, I'm going to look at you and go, Oh, that's awful. But you could do that. That's your right.
0: Yeah. I was, uh, I, I am lucky enough that like, I, I definitely am qualifying it as a joke because of the surroundings. I will say I have plenty of, uh, of friends with whom uh, specifically like there's a ton, a ton of uh, like comics, man, like real comics. You don't have to do the qualification. I'm not, I'm, I'm doing it for the audience. You know what I mean? No,
1: I, I'm, I'm pointing out. Because yeah, you're I right. You're right. It's detrimental to your, to, to your, to your creativity, man. Yeah. And the other thing I was going to say is this is why comedy is going to die. Okay. Is years ago. And again, I've been doing it 23, but if you go to like early nineties, Seattle was a fucking a breeding ground of great sure. cats. And you know, uh uh Boston was always jumping in and New York, but all the guys that you're seeing now are like are like for, for I think Leslie was doing it almost 25 years before she popped. Mm-hmm. Burr was doing it almost 30 years. <clears throat> so, and I and I I I wish every day Patrice was alive. Um are Our groups of people, where we we had a nurturing comedy community. Don't get me wrong, you had hacks and you always had the people that liked, they're like pilot fish, you know, they like to be around the shark, but they're not really into that. Mm -hmm. But we weren't sitting there, you know, how we judge you as if your shit was unoriginal.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: That was a big thing. Oh, that guy's hacky. Oh, he did that joke. That's so easy. It was never like, it's, and you even see like a person like Sarah Silverman that made a whole career of being shocking started to even change because mm-hmm. she's around those circles, right? Do you, th- do you it's think not, this isn't being, this isn't progress,
0: but do you think so comedy's going to, my
1: concern is is that the new foundation coming up that's editing itself and is worried about the free thought is not going to be delivering a quality product. And we're sure. going to see comedy go the way rock and roll went. There is no more really. So pop is not what it was.
0: I agree with that. I so my I I have another cuz you I noticed because because you were the first guy that I worked with, I've always followed your career relatively closely just to see what's going on. And I noticed when you moved to Ohio when I thought about why you would cuz I don't I personally don't want to have to move to LA or New York. I would like like for the right opportunity whatever. Uh but this seems like it's going to decentralize comedy and give way for like Seattle to be a place where comics are coming out of again.
1: Um, it depends on your scene though. If you're, if you're all doing the same, I mean, dude, th- there's a style of woke comedy that yeah. is just, it's all hacky. It's, it's mm-hmm. almost like how alt becomes hacky or even roadie guys become hacky where they're like a oh, racism. And uh, and then, Hey, let me create a, a scenario where the joke is going to be me enlightening the dumb white person about what my nationality is. Oh, it's it's like always this fucking pattern. There's no depth to it. And and a lot of it is contrived. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or exaggerated. And even if it's true, nobody fucking, it's, it's, it's become its thing. Now, again, I'm overgeneralizing this, but there is truth to it because I'm in 30 cities a year and you see these pockets of comedy police and none of them, Are funny. That's the other thing, you know. And all the comics uh, that complain about them are usually the ones that are working in the clubs because they're funny enough to be in the club. Does that make sense? Yeah. What you're going to see is Austin's going to blow up. I mean, I know Rogan's moving there and he's talking about opening a comedy club there. Um, You know, uh, Vegas has got a great scene going right now. Um, You're going to see these areas and like Chicago was great. I don't know if, if this has affected them there, their, their community, but they, they always had a strong presence. Um, yeah, you're going to see these areas starting to pop up outside of New York and LA. Absolutely, man.
0: So that, I think that's like, maybe the hope is that comedy, it's such a low barrier to entry to do it. that I think that if it, becomes especially the other thing that's going to happen is a lot of the people that are in LA that are like already were good Seattle comics are now going to come back to Seattle because they can't like they're what's the f- point of being in New York or, or, uh, LA right now, if you can't do comedy there anyway. And I right. think it'll well, strengthen,
1: You sharpen your tool, you know?
0: Yeah. So, so that's always like the worry. I think if you live in a city, that's not one of those places is if I'm not going against the best competition, am I going to be able to get better enough? Right? Like if you're, if you're just comparing yourselves to the I'll, comedians. comedian you answer. Yeah, absolutely. You say you, absolutely what? You can get better, you better enough? Get better.
1: You'll get better. where You take you wherever you go. Sure. Now, you know, whether you're watching somebody live or you're watching it online, you're still seeing that product, right? That's fair. The, the thing about comedy in, in itself is, is stand-up comedy is a lot like um, like golf. You're playing against yourself all the time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? So if, if you're on a lineup... And th- th- again, you know what? I take that back. Being at the comedy store really really did make me work harder, but that's only because of who I have to follow. I'm not you're not comp- I'm not competing with Joe Rogan or Bill Burr when we're on the same stage. I have to step my game up.
0: But that's so, that's exactly it, right? Like if you're Yeah. If you're on a team, if I'm on a team, if you're like, my friend went to uh, Burke Mar high school in, in Gwinnett County, Georgia. Right. And he was like a good basketball player in Seattle. And then he moved to Georgia and couldn't make JV there because right. even the guys on his team who he's theoretically not competing against once the season starts, can't even make the cut. And that's like, that's the competition I'm talking about. None of us should be competing as though someone's our opposition.
1: But, but that's the thing I was saying is it's, it, I think, I think it was Rogan said it where he would watch a guy like uh, Chris Rock or Chappelle. You get more inspired. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and and I don't mean to split hairs here because we're talking about a creative thing. We're not, cause I was talking about today, the, the great thing about team sports or sports in general is it teaches you that you could get your ass kicked and still win. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> but team sports is more, it it teaches you things like competing with your friends um, sacrificing for the greater good. Individual sports though, teaches you more about digging in deep and, and what you're made of and how you're going to motivate yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. So comedy is mostly that, but being around these, these great artists and these great comics, it is very inspiring. The other thing that's good too, is that you see the work ethic and, and the passion behind the joke and, 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 and trying to be great as opposed to just lingering at this. Cause every comedy club has it. You have the people that went up that night and you have the people that are hanging out mm-hmm. and now the people that are hanging out. There's like two or three that are just want to get there and get up and get on that stage. But then there are those people that just enjoy the scene and they like being part of the scene. And they're yeah. the ones that are always online blogging about something or, Oh my God. It's like almost like a little high school clicky shit.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a, I think it's the, I call it a, they treat it like community theater. Like, Not only is it not important for them from a money making perspective, they don't care about earning money, but they also view it as like not this is an operating business, this comedy club that is making decisions based on what will be the most profitable for them. Uh, And that means putting comedians up that audiences like not just the 11 comics in the room like, but also uh, they think like everybody deserves a shot like, oh, everybody gets a shot eventually. And that's not the way it is. In comedy.
1: No, comedy is, you know, you look, you can't fake it. Even if you steal, you're going to get caught. Mm-hmm. You can't go up there and say you can't get that opportunity. Like you could get a Netflix special that doesn't that eats shit. Nobody. It doesn't mean that people you made a little money, but you can't fake it. Right. Yeah. You just can't. And I want to tell some you, people, you know, some people you look at and go, how the fuck did this get on there? And then there's some people you watch in the club and go, how the fuck is it? This guy on there. You
0: know yeah. What I mean? Some of the, I mean, and you're one of these guys, right? You're early. So early, you were early to move out of LA and also early to put your special on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And, uh, how did that, how did that help? Because we see that a lot now, like guys that, you know, maybe even have like industry traction you thought are putting, well, I
1: did, I actually got an offer for it, but it was, it wasn't what I wanted. Right. And it was pretty much basically what I would have, I should have taken it because the company isn't around anymore, but it was basically what I put into it and that's it. I couldn't own the licensing rights. I couldn't own any of it. And right. I'm like, fuck that. And then how, how do I know who, who the, who's going to see it or not? So that's always, that's the street kid in me, man. I've always, I've always, I predict, I'm always on the move, man. Like if I see, if I see a trend coming, if I see danger, I know I got to, I got to either, you know, strap up. I got to be ready to whatever's coming that way. I also didn't like the idea of somebody telling me what I could say and do it the way I wanted to do it. Yeah. And, you know, look, there were, uh, there were companies that didn't offer on it. I'm not going to lie. If somebody said to me, Hey, we're going to give you half a million dollars. I would have fucking taken it. Yeah. But that wasn't happening. And what was being offered was more like, well, you know, what are you going to do? Give it away. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> I just, I'll, I'll rob myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's like, but I actually planned it out. So, uh, you know, you always have to pivot mm-hmm. and it, we, we shot it one way and I was ready to go with it. And then the industry started changing a little bit and I'm like, okay, what do I do? So I, I had this idea where I was going up a uh, Rungan Canyon and there's this, this thing where they have like a uh, honor system where you could get a bottle of water, you put money in there. And I saw the person re up in it, right? Mm-hmm. So I says to him, I says, "Hey, yo, man, I go. Uh, uh, how, how do you not get robbed? You know what I mean? Because that's my thought. I'm like, if I'm 13, I'm taking this whole fucking thing." Mm-hmm. He goes, uh, he goes. Well, you know what? We do, but you know, it, it always overcompensates. Like somebody will give me five dollars for like a bottle of water, but you know, we we always make money on it. Because, I and mean, then it dawned on me about that honor system. And then there's a book called a thousand true fans that talks about a band that said if they could get a hundred dollars from a thousand fans a year, they'll make a hundred grand. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm abbreviating this. And then I was with Ari Shafir one night and we were talking and he's like, dude, why don't you just fucking do it? He goes, I'm thinking about it. I wanted to do it. So I bounced the idea around with a couple of my comic friends and I decided to build out a site and I didn't want to charge for it. Right. Now, prior to comedy, I didn't get into comedy till I was almost 25. So I was in the nightclub business and I was always, I understood the, the thing that if you don't get them at the door, you get them at the bar. Mm-hmm. So if I lift the cover up, all right, especially with Italian guys, like, you know, they like to be like the big shot. So you're like, Hey, I got these four and they come in. That's only what, uh, $80 or $20 right. a head. They're going to take that 20. They're going to still spend it at the fucking bar. Yeah. Right. So, but you got to get them in. So I built out the website, Brett Comedy, Brett with one tcomedycom And I also wanted emails, man. That's what I really wanted. So I, I built it out and I put in uh, a player, you know, uh, ebbed in the YouTube player. And then I said, all right, look, watch it for free. If you want to give me an email, you can. If you want to own it, right, you can buy it for $5. Or you could buy a T-shirt for 20 and you get the download with it. Or just watch it and just enjoy it. Either mm-hmm. way, I hope you like it. My average donation was 20 bucks.
0: Oh, that's fantastic.
1: So then after that started slowing down a little, I now put it for free on YouTube, and now I'm at like 2.5 million views.
0: Has that made a big difference on the road?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's but great. What I was hanging with Schultz one Andrew Schultz one night. And he he was like, bro, he 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 really knows how to fucking work that, man. That kid's fucking genius. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to him going, God, I wish I was as smart as him. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what he would now, what I should have done is have that hour video, that hour special, and then cut it up into, uh, say, you know, 10, five-minute segments. So now I'd be getting paid all of those. But I just put the whole thing out there. I wouldn't have changed. Yeah, you know but I mean? you
0: can still do that, right? I mean, like, like.
1: Yeah, no, I don't want to interrupt the algorithm now because it's it's on fire. It just keeps oh, okay. going. Okay, that's going. good. You know what I mean? I mean, I do put the bits on there, but people have been watching the whole thing, so it's...
0: sure. So but the... the next
1: one, I just canned. I'm, I'm I'm I might think about doing that if I don't sell it.
0: That's cool. The so the the you've made your money back. Then I take it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's great. Like, so not only did you exceed the offer but you also got 2.5 million people to see your material, right?
1: Right. And by the way, this is a door that was shut in my face. Right. So there is no, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know nepotism here. There's nobody helping me. Right. By the way, I've been on my own since I was fucking 18, man. Like if I don't kill it, I don't eat it. I can't eat. Yeah. So I hustle, man. It's it's what I do. And that's the, uh, to any artist out there, you don't need permission to exist from anybody. Go figure out a way to get seen, man. It's my favorite line in uh, in um, Reservoir Dogs when he goes, it's America, stupid. Go make more money. <laughs> that's why this system is fucking great.
0: Yeah, that's kind of that's the shit to me. That's like what <clears throat> what so Netflix basically I've heard like anecdotes from people about how they're like. We, we got too many white guys. Essentially, they might say it in fancier words, but they're like, we got too many white guys. You
1: know what? It's a dirty little secret. But yeah, that's that's what's going on now a little bit because they're trying to follow a trend.
0: Right. So the thing is, is what Netflix but that never
1: affected me. Never well, affected.
0: What Netflix is doing, though, is they're going. Uh, yeah. and uh, I'm, uh, what, they're, what they're doing, though, is they're giving they're opening a door for YouTube.
1: But, but let's wait. Let's get something straight, though. I, I don't think I, I don't know if Netflix is doing that specifically. You know what I mean?
0: Okay, I mean, um, I, I'd say like I, what I'm
1: saying is that this goes on in a lot of castings and stuff like that.
0: Okay, I'm telling I, you, I, you don't you I, don't have to own it. I'm telling you that I've heard it from people who have successful YouTube specials.
1: Yeah, but at the same time, they could also be
0: yeah making okay. an excuse. You know what that's, I mean? That's true. I uh, yeah. I'll be
1: honest with you. I, I if I'm starring in a movie, they're buying it. I mean, hey, they bought Burkleyer, they bought Sebastian, they bought Rogan, right? They bought Segura. So, sure. I mean, I see. That's the thing that I, I don't make excuses. And let's just so you know, for me personally, I was never white enough when white guys were in. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, and and I'm not brown enough if they're not in. Yeah. So none of that affected me at all. But I, in in Netflix's defense, a lot of people always have an excuse. I remember hearing people say why they didn't get passed at the comedy store. That you know, and, and, and oh, Mitzi didn't know she's not she's not all there. You didn't even talk to Mitzi. You're just yeah. saying shit that you've heard from other people. Yeah. Not talking about you.
0: Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. I, unless
1: my, it was, go ahead. I'm
0: sorry. My, the point I was making isn't really like that. The they're, they're fucked or not. My point is that uh, people who are determined are going to find a way to get that material to people, right? So yes. ne- Netflix doesn't get to be. The source of stand up comedy, if they're not putting out the stand up comedy that people want to see, and if people want to see, I guess I won't say names because it might implicate who I've heard this from, but if they don't want to see, if people do want to see those people that you know millions of people have gone and watched, and they don't want to see the people that Netflix is putting out, now it's YouTube's turn to be. It was, it used to be Comedy Central, right? And then it became Netflix because Netflix yeah. took risks on Tom Segura and other people. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: No, no. Look, man, it's it's not hard. I mean, it's it's not hard. I mean, I will say that. Well, see, I, I, again, man, it's just not in my psyche, bro. And, and I'm not I'm not just trying to be this way. The way I look at things is the comedy table infinite. There's not a mm-hmm. limited number of seats. You know what I mean? And if you're good, you're good, man. It'll it'll come out. Yeah, it'll fucking come out. If you if you've got a good product once People love what they see and and if they don't like it, that's even great too, you know, Mm -hmm. but it spreads like, wow, you only need 1% of America to like you and you're fucking good, bro. Yeah. You get one, three fucking 0.5 million people, whatever to like you and and spend money for you. If you can get a dollar from them, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's always a way to get your shit out there. I mean, again, man, I, I, I'm one of those people where I know I'm not where I'm at right now, only because I suck at the internet has yeah. nothing to do with, with my style of comedy or my race or my fucking gender or whatever the fuck it is. It's just because I'm not good at, at posting and shit like that. And that's where the future is.
0: I'm now, gonna...
1: even if I was 20 something years old, I wouldn't be good at that. I'm not that type of a, it's just, I, I, my mind doesn't think there. I'm still writing scripts and I like to write. I, I just like to perform and you know, that's what I'm good at. I have to discipline myself to to do this. And then I had to find money to hire somebody to do it for me.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: that's why the past year has been great because figuring out to put the special out and, and getting people to, to cut it and share it. I, I don't know how to do it. And I also don't know how to fucking promote myself. Like, you know, I don't want to, Hey guys, you know, I, I just tell people where I'm at, but, there yeah. are people that are just fucking great at that, man, and, and that's where the future is. So it's still on me. Mm-hmm. It, I have to be accountable.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking of it more in, like, a, what's that uh, Jurassic Park quote, like, life finds a way? Like, the like you're going to put the special out, and it's if nobody wants to buy it, like, no company wants to buy it, you're going to put it out uh, on your own. And if no people want to buy it, they still get to watch it, and then you just keep pushing the money down the road, right? Then it's right. – they're they're paying – yeah, that's I, – I think that's I, like
1: – t- I get what you're saying. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a virus, right? You, you, once you think you kill it, it goes and it forms and it and – it, Right. Yeah, it it's takes like different if, forms. It's, it keeps evolving. It's life.
0: This is my ev- – or my evolution. This is my bastardization of the thing you said to me about how the artist gets to choose what's funny is uh, – and by the way, I know you're uh, – I've used a lot of your time. The political stuff, I'm just going to put behind the paywall – So don't uh, like on a Patreon. Don't worry about that. Uh, And I'm going to I want to tell you another story. But Comedy Central is like going out of business, basically. If Comedy Central didn't get to decide the shape of stand up comedy, nobody gets to. It's the audience. It's always the audience. This isn't a chicken
1: and egg argument, man. The artist is so the artist is the driving force. Okay. so your agents are just salespeople that put people with other people and they look for good product to try and sell. Right. The, the TV shows are the marketplace. So when you're trying to rewrite history and force politics and religion or whatever the fuck it is in your art form, I mean, uh, and it's not a good art form to do that with people are not going to buy it. It's just that Mm -hmm. simple. This isn't, this isn't fucking reinventing the wheel. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Because what they don't have the power to do now is suppress it on the back end. They can't. Because when it was three channels, there wasn't a fourth channel. But if there's the threat of a fourth channel, and YouTube is the fourth channel or whatever. Uh,
1: YouTube, though, is going to start fucking up now because they're trying to take people down that they don't agree with. And then there's a new site that's coming up that is going to be all in.
0: Do you know the name of that site? (laughs) Can I I have the name Uh, of that site early?
1: Yeah, there's a new one, and I can't think of the name of it right now. Somebody just sent it to me, but... I'm, I'm going to start posting on there. See, you, you You know, I love the quote, life isn't checkers, it's chess, mm-hmm. right? Um, but again, you, you have to predict what the trends are. If you don't adapt, you'll die, right? Which is the, the same thing, kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. It's going to have to evolve. But if you think for two seconds that you're bigger than comedy or you're bigger than art, you're not. Yeah, It's not going to happen. There are paintings in the Vatican that are fucking unbelievable. Statues, not the ones they're trying to rip down, but are thousands of years old that have stood there well, well, way, laying way long after the fucking artist did. Okay? That's how powerful it is. And that's never going to die. Mm-hmm. Because to me, art is, as long as people still love and as long as people still hate and as long as people, you will always have art. Yeah, you know, it's it's it. Art, it's like getting rid of music. It's just not going to happen. Well, that mm-hmm. is art, but you know what I mean. You'll yep. always have comedy, I should say, because you you know, it's part of the human emotion and experience.
0: All right, now I'm going to tell you a story and let you go back to your family because uh, because I got pork
1: chops waiting for me, kid.
0: Oh yeah, that's I don't want to keep you from those. Uh, so the weekend we worked together last, the last night we were drunk that that weekend really fucking meant something dude. it did I did it was uh
1: listen I know because you wrote me and this is why I'm doing this with you yeah and I wish you success on that but go ahead I hope this is a good story why didn't like smack your face or whatever it was
0: I think it's funny I don't know if it's gonna I don't know if you're gonna let me just tell it and then uh you can decide if it's the if it's good or bad we uh we get a little bit drunk after I told you we you you pulled my head you're playing hip-hop music that uh from like the fucking 60s somehow hip-hop hadn't even been invented when you were playing this fucking hip-hop music <laughs> yeah uh we uh so we get drunk and then you're like i want to go to the casino and it was after last call and uh we're both drunk and i go uh we so we grab a couple well maybe i shouldn't say this but we 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 found some beers somewhere brought them <laughs> with us <laughs> they were just sitting on the street. They happen to be cold, and uh we're drinking on the street, waiting for an uber to arrive. We go to the casino you actually uh we stopped at a smoke shop to get a uh, to get a tobacco product, which is a great uh drunk a uh, great drunk stop i used to i used to chew tobacco i won't say it in case you're uh, like many of my friends who did chew tobacco, lying to your wife about whether or not you chew tobacco—you of course didn't. Neither did I. We just bought the can, uh, and held it in our hands. It was very nice. We go to this casino, and you're like, "I'm going to teach you to play craps." And I was like, "I'm not. I have like a little bit of ADD anyway." And you put some alcohol in me, and it's like, "Dude, I'm not following instructions. Like, I better know what I'm doing before we get there." And you gave me, like, three rolls to try to explain how to play craps. And then you literally, as though I was your annoying wife, handed me $20 to go play the slots while you played craps. (laughs)
1: Dude, I apologize, man. No, once I get, it was good. I, I, once I get on those tables, man, I get all my, my degenerate gene kicks in, and I'm like, let's go, man. Did I have you blow on the dice when I – I think it? so. I think that I <laughs> – I see I, you shopping. I'm like, yo, sweetie, come on. I'm going to be here for a minute. Yeah. Right, go, go, go get some dinner.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, in your defense, like there was no way – no matter how much attention you uh paid to it, I wasn't going to learn to play craps that day. Like that wasn't going to happen. And, it's and a, is that
1: the only time you've ever played again? I remember that now we were at the, the table was all the way to the back and I got yelled at for uh spitting. Yeah. You kept, like,
0: you oh. kept spitting and you kept trying to order drinks and they wouldn't, they would, <laughs> <laughs> like the lady came over and they're not serving alcohol. Cause it's after last call, but you know, 4am is a great time to be uh gambling in a casino. And, uh, Yeah, you kept going like, oh, can I get like a Jack and Coke or can I get a Guinness or something like a shot of whiskey, whatever. And you did it like multiple times. And yeah, they got mad at you for spitting.
1: You look at it and steal three of the dice and try and teach you how to play (laughs) CeeLo on
0: the fucking wall in the back behind the casino. Stop flipping bills back there. That's great. Yeah. So, I mean, it uh, sounds like
1: some stupid shit I would do.
0: (laughs) So I guess that's like, it's not just, I mean, I do actually remember as I've, as I've done this, started this podcast, I've talked to a bunch of people that I've worked with. And as I started thinking about it, I'm impressed with how much I remember actually from, cause I remember a lot from that weekend, despite being drunk for a big chunk of that weekend. And especially I remember we dropped a beer bottle and lost one of the two beers that we, uh, somehow found serendipitously on the street, uh, and like, but specifically, you were incredibly cool to me. Uh And you also said, you asked me how long I'd been doing stand-up, and the answer was one year at the time. And you were like, oh, it looks like, you seem like you've been doing it like four, which my dick couldn't have been harder uh after you said that. Well, I wish and- you
1: would have told me that while we were drinking.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: we could have had a little more fun and another story to
0: tell. Yeah, the casino does have a hotel attached, you know, so. Yeah, man, well, so-
1: Man, I, I, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm fucking flattered. I guess that, you know, I didn't know I, I had that much of an impact on you. I just thought, you know, I was trying to corrupt a young kid, trying to teach him how to
0: shoot <laughs> Yeah. No, no. I mean,
1: look, dude, uh, it was fun. You know, I, 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 I want to get back. How's it, how's the scene been over there? Are the clubs open or no?
0: Uh, they were open in June. I did a weekend in June and, uh, then they got shut down and now they're doing, it's like the old, they won't. So, uh, all live performance indoor and outdoor is banned in Washington state. Unless it's a private party in a backyard. So I did 30 minutes in front of 15 people on a 100 acre horse ranch uh, last weekend. And it was like the fucking time of my life. I I, I wish I could do it every weekend. I wish there you were know, more. You
1: see what I mean, man? And that's the thing, man, you, you start to lose, you know, you got to love it, man. That's how much, you know, you love it when it's gone and you might not be able to perform it for a while, mm-hmm. you know? And, that's why you got to take every, every moment on that stage, man, is, is very, you're very blessed and it's very special to, to get up there and be able to do it. So oh, appreciate it, man. Respect, respect it and say what you want to say, man. Yeah. As long, like I said, as long as it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I got to go eat these pork chops, man. All right,
0: man. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. And... No, I
1: appreciate it, man. Thank you, bro.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to text you about that uh, website so I can be finally first on the first wave of fucking, of Some platform, right? Jesus You Christ. know what?
1: I got so fucking, are we off now
0: or not? I can stop it.
1: No, no, it's fine. You can, okay. oh, did you already?
0: It's all right. I stopped the it's video, good. but it's still recording audio.
1: No, I was going to say is that I, I did the same thing. Like when MySpace, when we did the Vince Vaughn tour, mm-hmm. we were sponsored by my, I had like 150,000 followers. And then it just went away. Yeah. Then mine came and then I, they're like, you got to get on it. And then it started, and then it went away. Then I'm like, fuck Instagram. Then Instagram fucking stayed. the only thing i'm not going on tiktok it's not gonna happen
0: there's a bunch of seattle comics right now that are blowing up on tiktok and i've like i'm like can i fucking the only way i can do it is to just tell jokes on there if i could tell jokes on there i don't want to fucking be dancing i don't want to do any of that garbage but if it's like you know what i mean stupid but listen
1: kid i gotta bounce man yeah just you know play it out see how it sounds i i get long-winded man so
0: well you gave me like an hour and 45 minutes so 45 is plenty for the podcast and then i can just throw the rest up
1: yeah just put all the good pieces together and just do it that way all right
0: all right sounds good thanks Brett.
1: i gotta bounce brother thank you man
0: bye right. That was Brett Ernst. Uh, so fun. I love, I love the fact that he was willing to do this podcast. There's just no way it would have happened without the COVID quarantine. I don't think, but people have so little to do compared to other times in their life that, um, so here we are. One thing I, and I can't remember if we talked about it in depth, but Brett Ernst moved to Ohio a couple years ago. He lived in LA when I met him, he moved to Ohio and so many comics are moving out of big cities and i don't think comedians are going to be the only ones so if you don't live in new york or la and you like comedy i think you're going to start to see your local your local scene will get stronger because more people who were some of the best comics in that city are probably going to move back. Go support comedy. Because the comedy around you is going to get better. Uh, okay, couple news stories that mattered to me, and then we'll go. the CDC added to the confusion that they've been creating. The CDC is the one that said that... Uh, What did they say? Asymptomatic transmission is, like, not a big factor in... They word shit so horribly when they release these articles that it's like you you have to know that if you're going to word it, word the headline of the study in this way, you're going to create confusion and misinformation. So to say that asymptomatic transmission wasn't a big part of the overall picture of COVID was saying that, well, we haven't been able to prove that asymptomatic people are are contributing a lot. But it doesn't mean that physically, biologically, physiologically, it's unlikely to spread. It's just we can't prove it. It's very likely that it's not a large part of the spread. And in the same way, they released an adjustment to their death numbers, which suggests that only 6% of covid related deaths are zero comorbidity covid is the primary let me rephrase that covid is the only cause of death and it's just it's it's ripe for bad faith interpretation from a data perspective They've first off comorbidities. Asthma is a comorbidity. There are comorbidities that are not like imminently fatal diseases. This idea that this does not mean what this does not mean is that six percent of only six percent of people who have died of COVID would not have died anyway. That's not what that what the data suggests at all. It is how people are interpreting it, and it's also. This is It's what we want, right? What we want is to find out that COVID was never actually that big of a deal. If we found out that it wasn't a real threat and we could go back to our regular lives, that would be the best fucking news any of us have received in months, but it's just not the case. And so I'm empathetic to the people who've, who latch onto these theories, even though I think they're irresponsible and they're not doing good. I'm empathetic because... They want what I want. We're both suffering. But it's not the case. And so I've had a couple... I, I've i had a couple... I've never engaged more in non-sports-related arguments on the Internet than through this COVID stretch. Because people are spreading misinformation and making bad faith arguments about... Uh, so I had... I had a woman on Facebook reference the CDC article and say, oh, they're saying that the causes are blah, 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 blah. And then I responded with, well, they also, the CDC, same organization also says that there have been between 160,000 and 230,000 surplus deaths compared to the forecast year over year. And she goes, well, you can't trust the CDC data. They're cooking the books. The same people she referenced are cooking the books. Um. All right. The other story, I here's the thing that's going on right now, is my wife has taken over. We have four bedrooms in our house. Not to brag. I'm sorry. I'm part of the fucking Illuminati, okay? Four bedrooms, she's taken over, we sleep in one of the bedrooms. The other bedroom is earmarked for our daughter, but it's we don't have uh, central air conditioning, so it's too hot for our daughter. So she took over one of the bedrooms to be her home office. I'm recording this podcast in my home office. She took over one of the bedrooms to be her home office. And she's got the window open, and it sounds like somebody's constantly breaking into and running around our house right now. So I've, I have these like pauses where my, my, I'm getting alert because it's like, oh, is somebody opening a fucking door in our house right now? It's because she has a window open and the door, I think this is why, otherwise I'm getting robbed right now and recording a narration of it, but there's a window that's open in this bet, nobody gives a fuck about this. Odell Beckham likes to be shit on, is what we found out. That's the other story that I care about because Odell Beckham, I've seen some great memes. There's great memes out there. I tweeted something. I'm just going to say it here. I said, uh, Lena Dunham got mad because Odell Beckham ignored her at a party a few years ago. She's got to feel like a huge turd right now. <clears throat> I don't care if Odell Beckham likes to be shit on. I do think, though, we are so selective about who who we... There's going to be somebody that's mad that we're kink-shaming Odell Beckham. And this is just so funny. It's so funny to think of... I've been trying to think of other monologue jokes like uh, Odell Beckham likes to be shit on because he's used to catching passes from Eli Manning and Cleveland Browns quarterbacks. Somebody got to the Cleveland Steamer's joke before I did. I saw the best one I saw was uh, Odell Beckham likes to be shit on. That's weird. I've never thought of him as a number two receiver. That's such a perfect joke. Absolutely perfect. We know so much more about athletes. It was a scandal, if you recall, that Will Chamberlain supposedly slept with 10,000 women. But if Will Chamberlain took 10,000 turds to the chest... Sorry, Mom. I know my mom listens to this podcast. Just turn it off. Would we celebrate him as much? I have to imagine a turd in Cleveland is worse than a turd in New York. By the way, I'm lucky that I never dated. I'm recording a, an interview with this podcast later tonight with a with a woman who's she has a podcast. Um, I don't know when it's going to come out, but she's a single woman. And I listened to her most recent podcast in preparation for the conversation. And she talks about being single. And it seems horrible to be single right now, period. But to be single and the thing that you love the most is to have somebody shit on your chest? These are tough times. Because if you like that... I mean, they're good in in one way, which is that you can probably much more easily, with the power and ubiquity of the internet, find someone... To shit on your chest, and if you're if you're Odell Beckham Jr. and you have the the resources, you can pay to have somebody fly to Cleveland or fly to New York to come shit on your chest. So, in some ways, it's the best of times <laughs> if <you're laughs> if you like to have shit on your chest. But in some ways, it's the worst of times because. And uh, I don't even know the woman's name. I think the, sh- the, sh- the podcast is called Full Court Press. Um, in some ways, it sucks because you're one podcast interview away from somebody revealing the shit you're into, the most vile or base shit you're into, to the entire world. But then is that first one Does the second one make the first one easier? Like, if that actually is what you're into, now a lot of people know. Now people who had no idea you would be into that know that you're into that. I feel lucky to be married and boring. (laughs) Sexuality has gotten a lot more wild than it was since I started, when I started dating my wife. And I don't, I don't think I'm prepared for that kind of heat, to be honest with you. All right. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope that, uh, you enjoyed it. hope you had a good labor day and that you're not on fire. Like I said that at the beginning, but if not, I still hope it, um, follow me on Twitter at the Casey McLean, Twitter, Instagram, all the way uh, across the board. Subscribe to my YouTube Follow Brad Ernst at Brett Ernst. Check out his special principal's office. See stand up dates of mine at uh, slash calendar, slash calendar. And uh, stay safe. Wear your mask. <music>